What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing who will have more success year one, Mario Cristobal with the Miami Hurricanes or Billy Napier with the Florida Gators. Don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. A lot of people have slept on the Pittsburgh Steelers for the last three years, either picking them to finish in last place in the AFC North or to have their first losing season in decades. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, over those last three years, have proved those people wrong. Don't fall into the trap. Don't sleep on the Steelers this year. Also, we're going to be discussing why Tennessee Vols quarterback Hendon Hooker will have a breakout year. And lastly, we're going to be breaking down the Atlanta Falcons quarterback competition between rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter and veteran veteran quarterback Marcus Mariota. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on instagram at jt sports underscore and lastly if you haven't already make sure that you are subscribed to my youtube channel which is jt sports the state of florida added two new college football head coaches to the sunshine state Mario christian ball returned home to his alma mater the miami hurricanes and billy napier was hired by the florida gators after having a successful run with Louisiana Lafayette. Now, I expect both of these two coaches to do big things with their respective programs and bring the state of Florida back to relevancy because everybody always asks, you know, like, how can we get different teams in the college football playoffs? How can we get different matchups other than seeing Georgia and Alabama? Well, the key to that is the state of Florida because all of those national championship teams, a good amount of their roster is comprised of players from this state. So if we're going to find ways to create different teams being into the college football playoffs and whatnot outside of expanding the playoffs, The teams in Florida have to step their game up, and Florida and Miami both did that with bringing in big-name hires. So, who's going to have more success year one between these two coaches, Mario Cristobal with Miami or Billy Napier with Florida? I'm going to have to go with Mario Cristobal for several reasons. First of all, Mario Cristobal is taking over a way better roster with the Hurricanes than what Billy Napier is getting with the Florida Gators. And I'm not saying that the Florida Gators have one of the worst rosters in all the college football. As a matter of fact, I think that their roster should be pretty decent. However, I feel like a large reason for the Gators' success is going to be behind the arm of AR-15, Anthony Richardson. Meanwhile, although you probably could say the same thing for the Miami Hurricanes, Tyler Van Dyke was the best quarterback or one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks in all in college football last season. However, there's still a lot of talent around him. You have James Williams, who has a five-star safety He has a lot of high expectations going into this season. Like, there were a lot of talented players on this Miami Hurricanes team. And on top of that, Miami has also been really active in the transfer portal this offseason. They rank 8th in the transfer portal rankings versus Florida, who currently ranks 33rd in transfer portal rankings. On top of that... Miami has one of the best coaching staffs in all of college football. You have offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, who was the Boros Award winner, which is awarded to the best assistant coach in all of college football. Let's not forget what Michigan did last season. Like They kind of surprised everybody making it to the college football playoffs, beating their rival Ohio State, and it was a really fantastic season, and it was really shocking to see Josh Gaddis leave Michigan. Like, I couldn't even believe it when I saw the news pop up that he was going to be joining Murrow Cristobal's staff in Miami. Then you bring in defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation. Like, this coaching staff for Miami is fantastic. Now, Florida also has a pretty good coaching staff as well, especially when it comes to recruiting. Like, the recruit, like, the guys who are going to be recruiting for Florida 
oh my goodness, absolutely fantastic. But their offensive coordinator is going to be Rob Sell, and their defensive coordinator is going to be Patrick Tony. Now, on top of that, Miami has a easier schedule and a way easier conference to navigate compared to Florida because Florida's playing in the SEC. They have to play Georgia, who is expected to be one of the best teams in all of college football. They are the defending national champions. On top of that, the SEC East is going to be incredibly crowded this year. Tennessee could be really good. We already know Kentucky is going to be in the mix. We already know about Georgia. But what about South Carolina? That's a team that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on that's going under the radar going into this upcoming college football season. Meanwhile, you look at the ACC Coastal, like, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get. The ACC has been down as a whole for over the last couple of years. So for Miami, this is the prime opportunity for them to take advantage of that and maybe make it to the ACC championship game. But when it comes to year one success, I don't really think there's going to be a lot of arguments made against why Mario Christianball should have a more successful season than Billy Napier because Billy Napier kind of you know like the expectations for both these two coaches this season are way different for Billy Napier it's kind of a rebuilding year this is something that's going to be like a two three year maybe four year process where the Florida Gators football program is going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up you're going to have to make up for the lackluster recruiting that Dan Mullen did his tenure during Florida you know he was a great exes and nose coach but the downfall is the fact that he wasn't that great when it came to recruiting and if you're going to be able to compete in the SEC you have to be able to recruit at a very high level so for Florida right now like their roster just doesn't look to be on par compared to Miami's roster Miami should at least win nine to ten games for Florida they could win seven eight games maybe they surprise everybody and win nine games but I think it would be more realistic seeing them between the seven and eight win realm versus Miami I think they can win anything between 10 or nine games that's my expectation so you look at the fact that Miami's coaching staff is one of the best in college football they also have a better roster than Florida on top top of that they're in a easier conference with a easier schedule than what Florida has I think that Mario Christian Ball is going to have more success year one but you guys let me know who you guys think is going to be more successful in their first year with their new college program down in the comment section down below you know, it's around that time in the offseason. The NFL draft is over. There's not going to be a lot of news coming out. And the NFL schedule is about to be released. So everybody's going to be releasing their predictions. And however, even though the schedule hasn't officially been released yet, there have already been people giving out predictions. And I've seen a lot of people picking Pittsburgh once again to finish in last place in the AFC North and to have their first losing record in decades. And I don't understand why people continue to sleep on Pittsburgh. Like, you slept on Pittsburgh last season. What was the narrative about the Steelers last offseason going into the 2021 NFL season? Oh, the roster's too old. Big Ben is aging. He's regressing. They don't have a great offensive line. They're not going to make it into the postseason. Well, Pittsburgh made it into the postseason as a seventh seed. What about the season before that? What about 2020, right? The year where... Big Ben was coming off his season-ending elbow injury. Everybody was saying, you know, you don't know what to expect from Big Ben. We know he's getting up during age. He's regressing. On top of that, there were a lot of question marks when it came to the playmakers that the Steelers had on the offensive side of the football. However, Pittsburgh, despite people picking them to finish amongst one of the worst in the AFC North, they ended up winning the whole entire division and making it into the postseason where they were defeated by the Cleveland Browns in the wildcard round. And we already know how that season went. They started out really good, undefeated, and then things just fell apart from there. However, you look at Pittsburgh going into this season, this is probably one of the best teams that the Pittsburgh Steelers have put on the field since 
what, 2016, 2017 maybe? Because this is one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. And it's really weird because the thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers have been knocked off about for the previous years in the past have been the fact that the roster was old, the roster was aging, and they needed to get younger. Well, what did Pittsburgh do? They got younger on the offensive side of the football. They got younger on the offensive line. As a matter of fact, the majority of the Pittsburgh Steelers roster and the majority of their starters are either 26 years of age or younger, despite the fact that, you know, you have a couple of outliers there. We already know you have Cam Hayward there who's like in his 30s. You have a couple of players on the Steelers team who is going to be starting, who is up there in age, but the majority of their roster is at least 26 years of age or younger, making them one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And not every team is going to have a team full of young players. Like, there's going to be at least one or two starters who are going to be there who are going to be up there in age. And you kind of need those guys you need vets in the locker room however when you look at Pittsburgh man you look at the additions that they made this offseason I think that it's fair to say that Pittsburgh had one of the best offseasons in the NFL this year because you bring in one of the best offensive linemen and free agency and offensive guard James Daniels who was the best offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears last season. He's going to improve the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line tremendously. On top of that, you also have Kevin Dotson who's going to be back into the starting lineup. He's pretty solid when he's able to stay healthy. The big concerns that the Pittsburgh Steelers have on the offensive line is going to be from your two starting offensive tackles. You have Chooks Okorafor starting at right tackle, and you have Dan Moore expected to start at left tackle. Now, both of these guys have kind of been developmental projects for Pittsburgh. They kind of been like late round picks that have kind of been developed by the Steelers. And now they're finally getting the opportunity to show what they can do and how far along they have came in their development. So Steeler fans don't really know how good your tackle play is going to be. It's one of the biggest questions going into this season for the Steelers because it's going to be boom or bust. The Steelers off the tackle play is either going to be pretty good or really bad don't really know what to expect from it but then you look at the other positions you look at the skill position you have Deontay Johnson coming off a breakout year you draft George Pickens in the second round out of the University of Georgia who is my favorite wide receiver from this past year's NFL draft you also have Chase Claypool you draft Calvin Austin who most likely is going to be your slot receiver slash gadget guy who's going to be the guy who's going to be sent in motion the majority of the times and this new offense that you know the officer coordinator wants to run in Matt Canada he wasn't really able to run the kind of style of offense last season that he wanted to run because of the limitations with Big Ben due to age and whatnot so now you draft Kenny Pickett your offense is pretty much complete outside of offensive tackle you know like Kenny Pickett is set up to succeed you got a lot of talent and depth at the wide receiver position. You have an offensive line that is going to be better this season compared to what it was last year. Let's not also forget about Najee Harris, who was the best rookie running back in the NFL last season. He did it all for Pittsburgh. He was a threat running the football, but he also was a really phenomenal option when it came to catching passes out of the backfield. And there were times where Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson were the only two two players who are really able to get things going offensively but you also have tight end Pat Firemuth who also had a pretty solid rookie season now his rookie season kind of got overshadowed because of how great Kyle Pitts was and how dominant his rookie season was probably the most dominant rookie year that we've ever seen out of a first year tight end however Pat Firemuth had a pretty productive rookie year and a lot of people are expecting him to have a breakout season this year he's had a lot of comparisons to Heath Miller and remember Heath Miller 
wasn't, you know, a super dynamic tight end. He wasn't flashy, but he was really consistent, really reliable, and he was a great security blanket for Big Ben and third down situations where he needed to keep the drive alive. And I think Pat Frymuth could most definitely develop into a similar Heath Miller kind of player with more athletic upside because he's a way better athlete than what Heath Miller was. No knock on Heath Miller, it's just that you look at the measurables and you look at the combine metrics, you know, Pat Frymuth is a better athlete than what Heath Miller was then you look at the defense side of the football like the Steelers do have one of the best defensive lines in all of college football now well not college football excuse me I mean the NFL but hopefully Stefan Tuitt returns because if Stefan Tuitt returns things are going to be incredibly dangerous because then you're going to have Tyson Aluwalu you're going to have Chris Warmly who had a pretty productive season last year and you're going to have them playing alongside Cam Hayward who seems to be getting better with age it seems like the older he gets the better he gets then you have TJ Watt the reigning Defensive player of the year at cornerback. You brought in Levi Wallace coming off the best season of his NFL career with the Buffalo Bills when he had to kind of step up and be that number one corner in certain situations because of the season ending injury that star cornerback Trey Davis White suffered. Then the safety position. I mean, like you bring back Terrell Edmonds, which a lot of Steeler fans, myself included, weren't all that thrilled about. I was really hoping that we could sign Tyran Matthew, but you know, Terrell Edmonds has been pretty solid over the last two seasons. He definitely has came a long way. He's a better player now compared to what he was when he was first drafted by Pittsburgh. And he's only signed to a one-year deal. So if he's trying to get a big-time contract, he's going to have to perform at an elite level. But Terrell Edmonds, to his credit, has been at least average or above average over the last two years. He hasn't been trash, and he's definitely worth bringing back. Definitely Pittsburgh doesn't lose anything by bringing him back and starting him because, I mean, he's not going to play bad. His play has been pretty solid for the most part over the last couple of seasons. So when you look at this Pittsburgh Silla roster overall, this team got better. You look at linebacker, you brought in Miles Jack outside of last year, which I don't know what the heck happened. He was pretty much a top five linebacker in the game. Then Jacksonville hires Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer kind of, you know, disappoints and kind of gets fired during the middle of his tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars in his first season. So Miles Jack kind of suffered because he had bad coaching. Now he's going to Pittsburgh. He's going to be with Mike Tomlin, Brian Flores. He's going to bounce back. Also, you're going to have Devin Bush, who's also going to be playing alongside of Miles Jack. Now, we don't know if Devin Bush is going to be bounced back because, I mean, the Devin Bush that we saw post-ACL injury, whoo, kind kind of hope that, kind of hope we don't see that again. And honestly, like, I expect Devin Bush to bounce back because normally it kind of takes a while to bounce back into the swing of things when you're coming off an ACL injury. You have to learn to trust your body again. And that first year back, you're never really back. You're still trying to get back into the flow of the game and whatnot. So for Devin Bush, I definitely will be expecting him to bounce back this season and he probably may not play up to the level that he was playing at when the Steelers first drafted him when he first came into the league for the first couple of years prior to his ACL injury however you know hopefully he can play a lot better than what he did last season for the Steelers like he couldn't cover he kind of was a little bit slow getting to the ball in certain instances so hopefully Devin Bush is able to bounce back but I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't bounce back but the Steelers also do have a lot of depth when it comes to the linebacker position and when it comes to the defensive line. Now, the biggest concern probably is going to be the cornerback position for Pittsburgh because, yeah, you do have Levi Wallace, but if you are somebody who's not a Steelers fan and you don't really follow the Pittsburgh Steelers all that heavily, you're probably going to look up the Pittsburgh Steelers death chart. You're going to scroll down to the cornerback position. You're going to say, okay, like I know who Levi Wallace is, but who is Akilo Weatherspoon? Well, Akilo Weatherspoon was 
probably the second best cornerback that the Steelers had on their roster last season behind Joe Hayden. And a lot of Steelers fans were kind of wondering, like, was he going to get re-signed? Because he had a really great season. Like, it wouldn't make any sense for the Steelers not to bring him back. So he's coming back to Pittsburgh. He had a really fantastic 2021 season. A lot of Steelers fans are excited about what he could do this season. So... The Steelers' defense on paper should still remain one of the best in the league. That shouldn't change. However, how much is the offense going to improve from last season to this season? Because the play calling wasn't all that great. And on top of that, the quarterback play kind of wasn't all that great at times. Even though Big Ben did what he could, he played to the best of his ability. You know, sometimes he kind of costed the Pittsburgh Steelers games because of his inability to, you know, take care of the football in certain instances. And sometimes he just didn't really have the arm strength that he used to have when he was in his prime and then on top of that the offensive coordinator situation like we all wanted Matt Canada to not return however he's returning and it was expected by most people that Matt Canada would return because you know He's going to have the chance to run his offense with a different quarterback, with a different skill set that's more mobile. And what Matt Canada wants to do is he wants to do a lot of jet sweeps. He kind of wants to have a lot of motion going on to kind of get the defense a little bit confused and caught off guard. And, you know, to his credit, you know, like Matt Canada, you know, had a lot of bad play calls that weren't really all that great, but he also had a couple of okay moments, not a lot of okay moments, but he had a couple of signs of brilliancy, but not really all that often. So for Pittsburgh going into this season, a lot of people are probably going to say, okay, JT, like you gave us the rundown on the Steelers roster or whatnot, but I mean, like who is like, are the Steelers better than the Bengals? Are they better than the Ravens? Are they better than the Browns? Like, I think that the Steelers are better than the Cleveland Browns. As a matter of fact, like, the Browns still have a couple of holes. Like, they have to find another pass rusher alongside of Miles Garrett. I don't really think the interior of their defensive line is all that great. As a matter of fact, I think the Steelers' defensive line probably may be the best in the AFC North. You look at the linebacker play that Cleveland has kind of had over the last couple of years. Hasn't been bad, but definitely could be better. But you do have JOK there who should take the next step, end up becoming a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. And then the Browns probably have the best secondary in this division, or at least tied for the best secondary in this division with the Baltimore Ravens. But offensively, you know, like Cleveland is still lacking when it comes to death at the wide receiver position. You don't really know what else you're going to be getting from that wide receiver group outside of Amari Cooper. You do have Donovan's people, Jones and whatnot. But I mean, like there's still a lot to be proven from the wide receivers of the Browns outside of Omari. Their offensive line is still really good. Deshaun Watson, eager to see what's going to happen with him. It's expected that he should play this year. Then you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, probably the best one-two punch in the whole entire NFL. However, you know, there's going to be a team from this division that ends up disappointing and not living up to expectations. There's going to be a team that ends up, you know, kind of missing out. I don't think the Steelers are going to be that team. And a lot of people make the mistake of judging teams strictly based off talent. And, you know, talent does win games. You're not going to win a Super Bowl having the worst roster in the NFL. However, a lot of people don't take coaching into account when they do their predictions. A lot of people just go off talent. And in the NFL, you don't win games strictly based off talent. You got to have the talent and you got to have the proper coaching to bring it all together. I don't know if you guys remember who the master clapper is, but Jason Garrett, I call him the master clapper because all he really did was clap his hands and underachieve during his time as a head coach with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys was Jason Garrett as their head coach they always were one of the most talented teams roster wise but when it came to their performance on the field they weren't always the most well coached team and they got out coached more times than not you look at Mike Tomlin Mike Tomlin still is the best head coach in this division and that does mean something when you have a great head coach you have a head coach that's able to make adjustments you have a coach that's able to get guys motivated 
playing better than what they typically would play. So you look at Mike Tomlin, he's still the best head coach in the AFC North. And you can make the argument and say that Mike Tomlin has been coaching some of the best football that he has ever coached during his career as a head coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like the last three seasons, the Pittsburgh Steelers have overexceeded expectations. You go back to, you know, the previous year. Nobody expected Pittsburgh to make it to the postseason. Pittsburgh snuck in. Same thing can be said about 2020. Pittsburgh won the division. So you look at Mike Tomlin. If you need a reason to have faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers, have faith in Mike Tomlin. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, JT hasn't really done much in the playoffs and whatnot. The Steelers have low-key done a quiet rebuild. Think about it. You know, like, Two or three years ago, the Steelers had a lot of aging veterans on both sides of the football. The offensive line was really old. The defense, although it wasn't super old, you know, still had a couple of old pieces there that needed to be replaced. And then in the span of two years, the Pittsburgh Steelers roster goes from, you know, a little bit up there in age to one of the youngest in the whole entire NFL. So with the Steelers having one of the youngest rosters in the NFL and having Kenny Pickett, if Kenny Pickett ends up being the quarterback that the Pittsburgh Steelers hope that he is when they drafted him, the Pittsburgh Steelers should be in that Super Bowl conversation within two or three years. Because when you look at teams who are winning Super Bowls right now, the teams that are having the most success are the teams that are winning with their quarterbacks playing on young rookie contracts. So if Kenny Pickett playing on a rookie deal, that still leaves Pittsburgh with a lot of flexibility when it comes to their cap space. Now you're still going to have to try to find a way to get Mika Fitzpatrick locked up long term, but I think that's going to end up happening. And when you look at Pittsburgh this season, like... I think a lot of people are really sleeping on this team. And I'm not saying that Pittsburgh is going to be a playoff team or whatnot. All I'm saying is that I strongly doubt that Pittsburgh is going to have a losing season. And I strongly doubt that Pittsburgh is going to finish in last place of the AFC North. And I know a lot of people are still going to keep asking, you know, like, who are the Steelers better than it doesn't really matter. Like, you can have a better team than Pittsburgh, but are you going to be more well coached than Pittsburgh? Just saying. So, like, you look at the roster, like, the Steelers roster is actually really good, and it's not overrated, because I know my guy Juiceler is going to say, JT, you're overrating the Steelers roster. Obviously, I'm not. If the majority of people out there are picking Pittsburgh to finish in last place in this division and have a losing season, that means that the majority of people aren't high on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster. So, if anything, I view the Pittsburgh Steelers roster as underrated. You can't call something overrated when people are are saying that the Steelers are going to be one of the, are going to have the worst record in this division. Doesn't really make a lot of sense because if people were overrating the Steelers roster, they would project them to finish a lot higher than last place in the AFC North. So you look at Pittsburgh, man, like, it's really frustrating how many people disrespect this team year in and year out. People don't respect the consistency, you know, like, a lot of people just get attracted to Flash. They get attracted to whoever's playing quarterback. You know, that's another thing that people are going to say. Oh, JT, you got the worst quarterback in the division. Doesn't freaking matter as long as you have a quarterback that's good enough to get the job done. There's no way you can tell me that the Steelers can do anything worse than what they had from the quarterback position last season on top of that you can't do no worse than what you had in 2019 the Steelers went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Doug Hodges as their starting quarterbacks that season so I'm pretty sure Kenny Pickett won't be no worse than Mason Rudolph and I'm pretty sure he should at least be better than the aging and regressing Big Ben Roethlisberger now this is just wishful thinking and hopeful assumptions but If we're being realistic, Kenny Pickett should be pretty solid. He has a pretty solid supporting cast around him. He's going to have Najee. He's going to have Deontay Johnson and a lot of other weapons in the passing game to throw the football to. The offensive line has improved. However, the offensive tackle spot makes things really rocky. However, Kenny Pickett should be better than what Big Ben was last season. He should be able to win Pittsburgh a couple of more games this season that they weren't able to win last year because of the quarterback play that held them back. So, like, I really don't understand why people continue to sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I do understand because a lot of people don't take coaching into account. You get what I'm saying? Like, last season, 
Not too many people had the Patriots making it to the postseason. They were still saying the Patriots don't have a great roster. And I was saying, hey, man, like, I know the Patriots don't have a great roster, but they have Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches in the history of football and the greatest coach in NFL history. So when you look at Bill Belichick, you look at how great of a coach he is, his ability to make adjustments and whatnot, that's going to elevate the team. And a lot of people don't take coaching into account when they do their predictions. And I still feel like a lot of people aren't really taking the Mike Tomlin effect into account. And on top of that, you know, Kevin Stefanski still has a lot to prove because he mismanaged the situation with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland last season. That's what a lot of people don't really talk about. They want to blame everything on Baker. But I mean, when the Browns were playing the Packers, right, and they were having success running the football, you know what they did? They stopped running the football and they opted to throw the football. Even though they were having success throwing, they were having success running the football. It was no reason to change your philosophy and change your approach and just go from dominating running the football to throwing the football. It just made no sense. I understand that you got to throw the football time from time to time and whatnot to keep the defense off balance. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And on top of that, why would the Cleveland Browns start Baker Mayfield when he wasn't a hundred percent? Why not just start Case Keenum? The difference between the talent gap and Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum isn't all that big. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, a healthy Case Keenum gives you a good chance, a better chance to win than a 80 to 70% Baker Mayfield. Like the Browns could have easily been able to stay afloat in the playoff race and whatnot and keep their season alive if they would allow Baker Mayfield a couple of more weeks to rest and get back healthy and they would have been just fine with Case Keenum as their quarterback because there's no way you're going to be able to convince me that a healthy Case Keenum was going to play worse than a injured and banged up Baker Mayfield. So for Kevin Stefanski, the jury's still out on him. He still has a lot that he has to prove. And even John Harbaugh, like Greg Roman is still the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens passing attack still hasn't evolved. And if the Ravens are ever going to make it to the Super Bowl and live up to their lofty Super Bowl, um, you know, expectations, They're going to have to get more out of the passing game. And Greg Roman is going to have to, you know, kind of add some new wrinkles to his offense. And Greg Roman is somebody who specializes in the run game. The passing game isn't really his specialty. So there are many teams in this division who could disappoint. And I know that the division was kind of a little bit different because of the injuries that Baltimore went through and Cleveland went through and whatnot. But Pittsburgh got better this year. And a lot of teams in this division got better. However, you have to take into account that the Steelers still do have the best head coach in this division. And as long as you have a solid roster and you have an elite head coach, you're going to be able to remain in the playoff conversation. You're going to remain afloat. It's just hard to see Pittsburgh finishing in fourth place in this division. Really can't see it happening. I feel like one team outside of Pittsburgh is going to disappoint in this division. And I definitely feel like if I had the bad money, it could be the Cleveland Browns. Now I'm not saying that Steelers is going to make the playoffs anything. I'm just saying that I don't think that Pittsburgh is going to have a losing season. And I definitely don't feel like they're going to end up being the worst team in this division. And it's hard seeing really any team in the AFC North finishing in last place in this division, which is why a lot of people are going with Pittsburgh because it's the more safer pick. It's the more easier guess to make. But if you actually go ahead and you do your research and whatnot, you will see that teams that have elite head coaches with elite solid rosters more times than not end up having pretty solid seasons and at least winning at least eight games. And I think that Pittsburgh this season, if they were able to win nine games last season with having zero offense, like the Steelers' best player, you know you know who was the MVP of the Steelers' offense last season? Chris Boswell. Chris Boswell was pretty much the second or the third best weapon that the Steelers had on offense outside of Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris. So anytime your kicker is your top three weapon on offense and your top three scoring option, not really good. It says a lot about your offense. And I know I sound like a hypocrite because I was just criticizing Greg Roman and whatnot about his play calling and his offense. But I mean, the same thing can be said about Matt Canada. I'm not saying that Pittsburgh is this flawless football team 
All I'm saying is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a way better football team this season than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. And I've said the same thing about Pittsburgh for like the last two seasons. Like I've made this video for what, three straight years in a row? And I haven't been wrong yet. And I'm still waiting. I'm 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 still waiting for Pittsburgh to end up finishing in last place in the AFC North. I'm still waiting for Pittsburgh to have their first losing season in almost what? It's been what, two decades since Pittsburgh last had a losing season? I'm still waiting for it to happen. Still hasn't happened. And I don't think it's going to happen, at least this season, with the improvements that the Steelers have made and with Mike Tomlin being the head coach. I know Mike Tomlin hasn't really done that much in the postseason, However, you can't ignore the job that Mike Tomlin has done over the last three years because anytime you have a team that continues to exceed expectations and prove people wrong, you got to give the head coach credit for that. Like you have to give Mike Tomlin credit for that because if Mike Tomlin had, you know, two losing seasons, then everybody would be on his head. But yet we don't really give Mike Tomlin his props. Give Mike Tomlin his roses. Like, I hope y'all ain't see that. But we got to give Mike Tomlin his flowers, man. Like, the guy has been doing a phenomenal job coaching. Like, the dude has been getting the most out of every single player on this team. Like, if Mike Tomlin wasn't the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I would agree with everybody picking Pittsburgh to finish in last place in this division. But the Mike Tomlin effect is definitely real. And even though... You guys might not see it. It's going to show. And if you guys go back and you look at the preseason expectations that everybody had for Pittsburgh and what they ended up doing at the end of the season, they ended up surprising everybody. So, I mean, like, you got to give Mike Tomlin a lot of props. He has been coaching some of the best football during his head coaching career over the last three years that he has ever done during his whole entire career in Pittsburgh. But... Don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. That's all I'm really trying to say. You know, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be the best team in the league or whatnot. All I'm saying is that I feel like a lot of people, their expectations on Pittsburgh are really, really low. And they need to, you know, kind of reevaluate the roster and whatnot. Like, I don't really know, man. Like, I honestly don't. I, I, I'm honestly done made this video so many times. Like, I'm just kind of running out of different things to say because, like, it's the same thing every year. Like, you really can't convince people initially that Pittsburgh is going to be a solid team. Like, you look at Pittsburgh and you look at their roster, a lot of people judge teams based off roster. They don't really take into account the coaching and other outside factors that influence how good a season that a team could have. So it's really hard, me being a Steelers fan, trying to convince people why you shouldn't sleep on Pittsburgh because a lot of people are just going to make the argument and say that, well, their roster, although they have improved JT, is not as good as the Bengals, the Browns, or the Ravens. But, you know... It just is what it is. It's just a wait-and-see approach, but have a strong suspicion that the Steelers are going to once again continue to exceed expectations unless something catastrophic happens. So let me know what you guys think about the Pittsburgh Steelers going into the upcoming 2022 NFL season. Do you feel like people are sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers, or do you feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are actually going to end up finally having their first losing season in decades and finishing in last place in the AFC North? The Atlanta Falcons have a quarterback battle on their hands. It's going to be between veteran quarterback Marcus Mariota and rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter. Now, Desmond Ritter was a third-round pick from this past year's draft, and a lot of people were criticizing the quarterback class, calling it one of the worst in recent memory. However, there were a lot of people out there who had Desmond Ritter as their top-ranked quarterback. So it's not like this dude is garbage, anything like that. Like, this dude can actually play. And a lot of people were pretty high on him than the majority of the quarterbacks from this past year's quarterback class. So the fact that he fell all the way to the third round to Atlanta really surprised me because I thought that he would at least get drafted in the second round. So Atlanta, you look at him and you look at Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, you signed him during um free agency to a pretty dirt cheap deal. So like if Marcus Mariota ends up getting beat out by Desmond Ritter, like they're not going to be in like salary cap 
hell where you know they're gonna have to either trade them or it's do or die or whatnot like if Marcus Mariota doesn't start you know you can still keep him as your backup quarterback and also he would be a really good quarterback to help keep on your roster when it comes to mentoring Desmond Ritter and it's crazy we always talk about the mentorship effect and whatnot however it is good to always have a veteran quarterback anytime you have a young quarterback it's a reason why the New York Jets keep bringing back Joe Flacco Joe Flacco is a good mentor, I guess the Jets feel, to Zach Wilson. So you look at Desmond Ritter and you look at his skill set. Like, he has a very similar skill set to Marcus Mariota. However, there are some differences in their games. For starters, Desmond Ritter has a better arm than Marcus Mariota. As a matter of fact, like, I think Desmond Ritter has a very good deep ball. The only thing with Desmond Ritter really is, you know, he he's streaky. He's really streaky. He's either going to be really hot or he's going to end up being really cold in certain stretches of games. But the guy is a very good athlete. He is really good when it comes to making decisions with the football. Like, some people consider Kenny Pickett to be the most pro-ready quarterback in this class, but there were a surprising amount of people. I would say at least 40% of, you know, a lot of people in the NFL draft community, scouts, analysts, said that, Desmond Ritter was rated as, you know, the most pro-rated quarterback. So the two most pro-rated quarterbacks were Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter and the majority of people's eyes. So for Desmond Ritter, you're having a guy who can definitely come in year one and start right away. The thing with Desmond Ritter is you don't really know how much upside he has because I've seen a lot of people have comparisons to like Alex Smith. Like he does everything well, but he doesn't really have an outstanding trait that makes him great. And I kind of disagree with that. Like when people talk about the it factor and whatnot, like I kind of feel like you never really know if somebody has the it factor or not until you actually see them play and they actually get put in a situation where they have to show you that it factor. I think Desmond Ritter definitely is going to end up showing everybody that he can be the franchise guy for the Atlanta Falcons for years to come because I like Desmond Ritter, the guy. Never really got into anything bad off the field. He was a really good teammate. He was one of the hardest workers. Like, the dude didn't really have a lot of offers coming out of high school. So the guy went from being, what, um, barely recruited out of high school to being a third-round pick in this past year's NFL draft. That just doesn't happen without putting in the work. That doesn't happen without grinding. That doesn't happen without being dedicated to your craft. And when Desmond Ritter, his reaction came out after falling all the way to the third round, he said the lead effed up. And, you know, we've had a lot of quarterbacks say that in the past, and famously, Josh Rosen said that there were a lot of mistakes in front of me, but I truly believe that Desmond Ritter is going to end up cementing himself as the franchise quarterback for the Falcons. Because, like, listen, I like Marcus Mariota, but the thing with Marcus Mariota simply is this, like, more people tend to want to start the younger quarterback. You get what I'm saying? So, like, if Desmond Ritter ends up outperforming Marcus Mariota during training camp and during the preseason and whatnot, he's going to end up starting because why wouldn't you start the younger option? On top of that, like you look at Marcus Mariota, he gets reunited with his former RC and Arthur Smith and Arthur Smith and him kind of have some ties back to when they were both on Tennessee. So he has some familiarity or a lot of familiarity with what Arthur Smith likes to do offensively. So Marcus Mariota kind of does have the edge right now just because he has experience as a starting quarterback in the league. He also kind of has a grasp on the playbook. Desmond Ritter is kind of playing catch up behind Marcus Mariota. But overall, you know, like when it comes down to what they're going to do on the field, I think that Desmond Ritter is most likely going to end up starting over Marcus Mariota. I just think that the talent is going to prevail. And I think that Desmond Ritter is going to end up putting in all the work necessary to end up getting the starting nod for the Atlanta Falcons at quarterback. Now, you know, the Atlanta Falcons probably aren't going to do all that much this season unless, you know, a miracle happens. They have one of the worst rosters in the league, and I don't think any Atlanta Falcons fans are going to debate or argue with that. However, even though you have a young roster that, you know, does have some inefficiencies, you can still have a successful rookie season. We've seen Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow have successful rookie seasons. As long as you give them a little bit 
of something to work with. And Atlanta does have a little bit of something to work with. You have Cordell Patterson. You have Kyle Pitts coming off the greatest rookie season that we've ever witnessed from a first-year tight end. You used a first-round pick on Drake London out of USC. A lot of high expectations for him. And the offensive line, you know, like, it has some promise. Now, we don't know if they're going to be able to live up to that promise and the potential that they have. But, I mean, the offensive line does have some potential to end up kind of being a little bit better than what a lot of people may expect that it will be or how the offensive line will perform this year. Because, like, you look on paper, and a lot of people are going to probably say the Atlanta Falcons offensive line isn't all that great. But they do have a lot of upside to end up, you know, surprising some people and end up becoming, you know, at least average so you look at Desmond Ritter, it's not like he's going to a situation where he doesn't have nothing to work with. And the same thing can be said for Marcus Mariota. And if you want to make the argument for Marcus Mariota, okay, the argument is probably going to be, okay, JT, like Marcus Mariota already kind of has familiarity with the system since him and Arthur Smith went back to Tennessee. Okay, on top of that, what if Desmond Ritter actually does need to sit behind Marcus Mariota for a year or two? Okay, cool. Then you start Marcus Mariota. So, I mean, the argument can be made for Marcus Mariota. It's just that I just look at Desmond Ritter, and I really just feel like he's going to end up really taking control of this team. Like, I really feel like this team is going to rally around Desmond Ritter. I feel like he's going to be incredibly motivated. He's going to be the first guy in, last guy to leave the building. Like, I really feel like Desmond Ritter is going to end up winning this starting quarterback job for Atlanta and Arthur Smith even said that there's going to be competition so nothing's going to be given to anybody and I really want to see Mark Mariota get another opportunity to be a starting quarterback in this league because I do feel like he can be a serviceable starter however I just feel like the talent with Desmond Ritter man like I really like Desmond Ritter I'm a big fan I just feel like this team is going to rally around him and I just feel like he's going to end up making this his team and he's going to end up taking control of that QB one spot with the Falcons. You guys let me know who you guys think is going to end up being the starting quarterback with the Atlanta Falcons this upcoming NFL season. Is it going to be the rookie quarterback in Desmond Ritter or is it going to be Marcus Mariota? The last thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about why Hendon Hooker will break out for the Tennessee Vols this upcoming season. Hendon Hooker is the most underrated quarterback in all of college football. Last season, he completed 68.2% of his passes, threw for 2,945 passing yards, and had 31 touchdowns to only three interceptions. Let me repeat that again. This guy only threw three interceptions and had 31 touchdowns. That was one of the best touchdown-to-interception ratios in all of college football. And on top of that, He had five rushing touchdowns and 620 rushing yards while averaging 3.7 yards per carry. Hendon Hooker, for some reason, not a lot of people know how good this man is. Like, I went on the Bleach Report app, right? And they have, like, the NFL draft um, community section where, like, if you're just somebody who only just wants to talk to the draft, that's a place for you. So I went to the community section, and I made the post saying that, Hendon Hooker will have a breakout season for Tennessee, and he will end up being the third best quarterback behind Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in the 2023 NFL Draft. And I also said that he will end up being a first-round pick. And to my surprise, like, not too many people knew who Hendon Hooker was. And I was like, are we serious right now? Like, this man had 31 touchdowns and three interceptions. And yeah, we don't know, like, not enough people know who this guy is. Like, it really surprises me. And I feel like Kentucky, they're going to end up winning. Like, Kentucky is going to be there, right? They're probably going to be everybody's pick to be the second best team in the SEC East behind Georgia. But I really feel like Tennessee could end up being better than Kentucky this season. And the large reason for that is because Hendon Hooker. Because any time you have a quarterback as good as Hendon Hooker who also doesn't turn the football over, like, you're going to be in a lot of one-possession games more times than not. And on top of that, you look at how good Hendon Hooker was last season. Imagine how much 
improvement he's going to make this offseason and how much improvement he's made over the spring and how much improvement he's going to continue to make over the summer and fall camp as we inch closer to the start of the upcoming college football season like if this guy threw 31 touchdowns only three interceptions last season imagine what he could do this year Heck, he might end up throwing 60 touchdowns and only two interceptions. I'm just playing. I don't, I don't think that's realistically going to happen. But, you know, like, you guys get what I'm trying to say. Like, you look at Tennessee and the team that they have around Hendon Hooker. Like, they have eight out of 11 returning starters coming back on offense. They return four out of five of their starting offensive linemen from last season. Their leading rusher, Jabari Small, returns. Their leading receiver, Cedric Tillman, returns. Like, their offense pretty much is the same outside of a couple of players who ended up graduating or leaving for the NFL draft or whatnot. So you look at Tennessee, man, like this team is a dark horse to end up winning the SEC. Pending if something happens. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying winning the SEC. Let me take that back. Maybe they could win the SEC East. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying that they will. I don't expect them to, but I am saying that there is a small possibility that they could. Like, this team is being really overlooked. And when you have a quarterback just this good as Hendon Hooker, more times than not, you end up being able to win at least nine, maybe ten games and having a storybook season. And when you have so many returning players coming back, like I just think that it's a great recipe for a fantastic season for the Tennessee Vols. And I think this team is not only going to win at least nine games, but I also feel like Hendon Hooker could end up being a dark horse Heisman contender. Like he's really accurate, really good when it comes to making decisions with the football and although some people are going to be like yeah JT he only threw three interceptions but what about the interceptions that were dropped by defensive backs and whatnot okay like everybody has a couple of those but anyway like he still has one of the best interception touchdown interception ratios in America like okay like he threw like three or four more interceptions okay like nothing still would change like he's still like a really good decision maker with the football and on top of that like this guy just has that he just has something special about them. Like, anytime you need Hendon Hooker to make a big play for you, he delivers more times than not outside of, you know, the Georgian game and whatnot because they were just outmatched in that game. But in games where Tennessee was evenly matched or they were the better team and Hendon Hooker needed to step up and make a big play on third down or a big play to keep Tennessee in the game, he stepped up and made those big plays time in and time out. So I just feel like for Hendon Hooker, man, like you look at the talent that he has returning back on that Tennessee offense and you look at how good he was last season and the potential development that he could make from last year to this year, like, it's, it's, it's really huge. And right now, if you were to ask me to name the top three quarterbacks in the SEC, Hennon Hooker would be in that conversation. So... You guys let me know how you guys feel about Hendon Hooker. Do you guys feel like he will have a breakout season for the Tennessee Volunteers football program this season? Make sure that you guys comment, like the video, and subscribe to the channel. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. I appreciate you guys for listening in, and I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.